our guest speaker for today. Many of you know him. If you have been on campus in the past, you will have met him on campus. If you are an evangelist of any kind, you will have met him in our evangelism training. Amen. But Pastor Temba, Pastor Temba pastors Every Nation Sunning Hill, and he heads up our national evangelism training team environment. If you believe you are an evangelist, please why don't you speak to him afterwards. I'd love him to be able to mentor you and you to, to have access to that environment. But he also is married to one of the most beautiful women I know. Her name is Amy. Amen. And they have two fabulous children who are serving the Lord passionately and doing great things for the Lord. Thank you, Temba, for being here. Amen. Thank Give you so much, Carol. Thank you. Good morning, every nation. Ramsach. Amen. It's good to be here. So, so fantastic. And um, I think a good place to start is with a bit of prayer, right? So let's pray. Father, we welcome you in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us in a profound way. That you would speak to us. That we will leave this place knowing you better and being empowered to walk out as you've called us to walk. Come and have your way in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said... Amen, amen, and amen. So my name is Temba, and it's a great honor to be here this morning. And I believe I'm supposed to be adding to a series that's already happening. Is that true? Okay, great. I believe we are looking at the fourth commandment. Is that right? That's right. And the fourth commandment is, you shall not murder, steal. Am I on the wrong week? Don't worry, Carol, I got you, I got you, Carol. <laughs> you know, folks, we live in a productivity-obsessed world, don't we? Everything that we do is about doing more, achieving greater things, and there's a bit of godliness in that. But our problem, your and my problem, is that we can start to develop unhealthy habits due to a desire for productivity. Amen? So, the commandment that we're looking at this week, which is the fourth commandment about the Sabbath, deals with God's solution for our human problem. In fact, as we look at this commandment, I pray that you're going to have a profound experience as to the truthfulness and the hope that's embedded in the Word of God for us. But when we reflect on the Ten Commandments, a quick question by means of context, do God's rules matter? Do the Ten Commandments matter or are they merely the Ten Suggestions? You know, the Ten Commandments are maybe about 300 words. But the impact that they've made in society is so profound. The Ten Commandments are the foundation for our legal system. Not only in this country, but across the world. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of a functional society. Now imagine if you remove just a few of them, like do not murder. That would be a bit of a problem if everyone could go around killing everybody, right? I had a frightening experience at school pickup uh, just on Friday, 
Um, you know how it is when you're picking up your kids at school and everything's chaotic and cars everywhere and I got into the gap first and a bigger car got into the gap second. <laughs> and now all the traffic was being backed up behind me, being backed up behind them. And I sat there and I just waved my hands going, meh. And this person in the car in front of me just looked at me and was like, after about five minutes, yes, five long minutes, I'm a patient guy. This guy jumps out of his car, and as he jumps out of his car, he's putting his shirt over his sidearm. And then he comes to my window. How many of you know that the things I was about to say, I was no longer going to say? And the things I was going to do, I was no longer going to do. I became a law-abiding, compliant citizen in that moment. Amen. Praise God for the law that says, do not murder. I'm able to stand before you this morning. Do not murder, do not steal. The very basis of our society is based on these ten commandments. But sometimes we believe that we know more than God, right? Sometimes we believe that we are better than God. So, like the Soviet Union, we decide to mess with God's commands. You know what they did in 1929? A very famous experiment. They said that, you know what, as communists, we're now in power, and one of the things we're going to do is we're going to do what is called continuous work. Continuous work. We've now got machines, we've got conveyor belts and all of this modern machinery. We can do more work. We can become more productive. And what they did with the work week, week is that they changed the work week from six days working to one day off to five days working, one day off. And so under the new system, instead of getting 52 days off in a year, one every week, right? You now had over 70 free days. How awesome is that? So they implemented this nationwide experiment that went on for 11 years. Guess what happened? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yes. <laughs> After 11 years, Stalin and his cronies that followed after him, had to admit that there was a problem in their system. Because where they thought they were blessing people by giving them shorter weeks and more time off, what resulted is that the husband would have a different off day to the wife, and they would have a different off day to the kids. And slowly the fabric of family started to dissolve. What they discovered as well is that these machines that they thought could go continuously actually started to break down more. And whereas they believed productivity would go up, productivity plummeted. What did they mess with? They messed with one of God's laws. Because God's laws are not obsolete. God's laws are absolute. So you mess with God's law and you start to mess with the very way that we were created to live. And so in 1940, 
by presidential degree, decree, they went back to the seven-day week. Work six, rest one. This morning I'm going to be talking about this law of God that they messed with. The fourth commandment about the Sabbath. You can join me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 8 to 11. Verse 8 to 11. And what you find here is a simple command. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. Everyone say, not do any work. You, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, even your livestock, or the sojourner or foreigner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Father, give us insight into your word. Amen. So what we see here, and we're going to break this down bit by bit. It starts off in verse 8, and it says, Remember the Sabbath, Sabbath day to keep it holy. Question number one, of all the commandments... This is the only one where God says, remember. Why did God feel that we needed to remember the Sabbath day? I think because of all the commands, we might not forget to kill someone. We might not forget to steal. But we might forget to take a Sabbath. We might forget to take a Sabbath. Now the word Sabbath basically means to stop. It means to pause. Whatever you're doing, pause, stop. Now, we've all played that wonderful game called musical chairs, right? You know the game, right? When the music plays, what do you do? Okay, I think, I think we need a return to life here. Amen. So, it's a game where you play musical chairs, and when the music is playing, you dance around the chairs, right? You're supposed to dance around the chairs, not just walk around. You're supposed to dance around the chairs. And when the music stops, what are you supposed to do? Sit down, right? Stop what you're doing. In exactly the same way, Sabbath, no matter what you're doing, at what place you're doing it, whether you're halfway done, whether you're fully done, whether you're about to do it, stop. So Sabbath was a call to stop. Sabbath was a call to pause Sabbath was a call to rest. Sabbath was a call to contemplate. So John Mark Comer in his book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he talks about four things that are in the definition of Sabbath. Number one, I've already mentioned, stop. Number two, it's a call to rest. Number three, a call to delight. Yeah. A call to have fun. Yeah. And number four, it is a call to contemplate on God. So those four things really constitute the heartbeat of God when it says, 
Remember the Sabbath day. What day is it? It's a day to stop and pause. It's a day to rest. It's a day to delight, to have joy. And it's a day to contemplate on God. But note this, it says, keep it holy. Now, the word holy means keep it set apart. Because you see, there's a difference between a day off and Sabbath. They're different things. You see, on a day off, you can go to Mahalis. On a day off, you can go to the mall. On a day off, you can go and do a million things. But on a Sabbath, it is holy. It is set apart for the Lord. It is set apart for who? So on the Sabbath, in all our doing, we're concerned about the Lord. We're concerned about what He wants us to do. Amen. And this becomes very relevant in a moment. So verse 9. Verse 9 says this. Six days you shall work and do all, sorry, six days you will labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. When we talk about resting, God presupposes working. He presupposes that we are busy for six days. The call to Sabbath is not a call to laziness. Amen? But it's a call to make sure that we focus our attention and make sure that we're done with all our work in six days. And that we rest for one. Now, I know this is quite a revelation to many of you this morning. <clears throat> but do you know that we're actually called to work? And often when people retire early, you know, there's this whole fire movement. Financial, financially independent, retiring early, right? Not like fire squad. I know fire, sorry, it's confusing. This whole fire movement, you know, retire by 40, retire by 35, retire. But when people retire, they realize that they need a purpose for living. Because if you don't have a purpose for living, you get depressed. You want to give up, you want to quit on life. But God has created us to work. And to pause from our labors. Do you know that in the ancient world, it was the elites who would not work. If you're an elite, it was defined by how little you need to work and how many people were doing the work for you. Yeah. That was what it meant to be an elite. To have like graduated. And if you're a peasant, forgive, forgive, forgive the language, but if you're a peasant... If you're the working class, your job was to work all the time and never have any time off. Do you see the difference? So this command was actually a correction to both sides. Yeah. That if you're an elite, guess what? God expects you to work six days. And guess what? If, if you are not privileged enough to have time off and people working for you, God expects you to have time off. So... This concept of the Sabbath goes to the heart of our work-life relationship. How do we relate to this whole work-life balance thing, right? How do we actually get this right? 
And this is why it is so hard to observe the Sabbath. In Ezekiel chapter 20, the Bible says this. Because they despise, this is God saying he's judging his people, okay? Context. Because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my ways, did not walk in my statutes, but profaned, profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Why do we find it so difficult to stop working? Why? It's because we're pursuing our idols. We're going after other things. And the truth in a driven city like Johannesburg, guys, if you're in Johannesburg, you are most probably a driven person. And if you are not a driven person, the city is driving you. I'll never forget my first year in Johannesburg. It was a Saturday afternoon. I was driving from where I was staying in Orange Grove to go to Creston Mall. And I was on the highway. Saturday, no traffic, fast lane, 140. And I remember looking at myself and saying, hang on, wait, 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 wait a minute. Why am I speeding on a Saturday where there's no traffic and I'm just going to a mall? But there was something about the pace of the city that just like drives you and drives you and drives you. And before you know it, you're an autopilot. <laughs> yeah. True, bro. So we've got to understand that we're in an environment where being driven is the default. And where work can really become an idol. You know what an idol is? An idol is anything that you put above God. That you honor, that you, that you say is more important than God. And idols anything that you put next to God. It's a 50-50 deal. Should I go to work? Should I go to church? Should I go to work? Should I go to church? Should I go to work? Should I go to church? <laughs> and you guys made the right decision today. Well done. <laughs> an idol is anything you put above God next to God, or in the place of God. It's anything that you believe will provide for you, will protect you, and look after you. And often work becomes that. Because we've got real bills to pay, and real deadlines to meet. And that's where the issue of Sabbath becomes real. Because it's where we say that, God, I'm trusting you above my work. So Sabbath is countercultural. So, in South Korea, which is a more driven society than we live in, from a young age, kids are taught to work hard. And so at school, what they do with the school kids is they expect the school kids to work 14-hour days. So you go to school, and after school, you go to extra school. It's called the Hagwans. And at the Hagwans, you've got extra lessons until late at night. And because competition is so high, the students have to get top grades to get into just schools, never mind universities. 
And so it's a driven society where the parents are constantly, constantly driving them hard. But there was one school that decided to buck the trend. So it was a Christian school in South Korea. And they said to the Christian parents that do not send your kids to extra lessons. Do not send your kids to the Hagwans. But take time off. Your kids work hard at school. Let them have time off. After a few years of implementing this, that school became one of the top performing schools in South Korea. And when the principal was asked, what do you attribute to the success of your school? He said the biblical principle of work and rest. Of work and rest. You see, the lie that we believe today is that if we don't keep working, we're going to fall behind. But that is where the power of Sabbath kicks in. Because the power of Sabbath is that God says that while you're resting, I'll be working. So you see, Sabbath is actually your divine weaponry to survive Johannesburg. It really is. It's God's supernatural gift to you to make sure that you can thrive in the middle of a chaotic world. Now, Exodus 20 verse 10 carries on and says this. On it, you shall do no work. Because, you know, you might be warming to the idea of a Sabbath now. Like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll try this Sabbath thing. What do I do? On it, you will do no work. Shut down that laptop. Hey, I know guys are like, mm, eh. this is from God. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the livestock, the foreigners, everybody, tools down. There's a concept when it comes to Sabbath called social rest. God calls us not just to rest by ourselves and stop working by ourselves, but he wants us to stop working so that we can synchronize with others in our world. Uh, I've got a Jewish friend, well, she's a Christian now, Messianic Jew, and they still observe Sabbath every Friday night. So they invited me to Shabbat. Finally, I've known her since university. Last year was the first time we got to celebrate Shabbat together. So they did the whole Shabbat meal. And I was like, you know, trying to take notes. You know, I got sermons to prepare and stuff. And, uh, and what struck me was simply this. My friend said to me, what the rest of the world enjoys once a year, when they gather for Christmas or special events, we get to experience every single week. Every single week we get to be together. Every single week we get to reflect, pray for each other, celebrate what God's doing in our lives, support each other every single week. The power of Sabbath is not just you get to take time off, but you, that you get to synchronize with the rest of the people in your life. 
Getting the family together. I know that some of you might be thinking, you know, do I have to spend the whole day with my family? <laughs> oh, but that's up to you. That's up to you. But spend some time with your family. But what if I'm single? God has given you friends. God has given you people in your world that you can still celebrate a time of social rest with. Amen. This is the power of what it means to live in Sabbath. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Bible gives a... Oh, I missed one. Let's go back. Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. How could I almost miss this? There's such a powerful word there. It's the word blessed. The word blessed. The word blessed. Now, so many good points. I could talk about the fact that if God needed to rest, how many of you are busier than God? Sorry, is anyone at the back? Who's busier than God? Great. So if God needed a rest, I think it's okay for you to have one as well. That's a great point, right? But I don't want to make that point. I want to talk about blessed. God blessed the Sabbath. God, the word blessed means to divinely empower for increase and fruitfulness. So God said in place that if you observe the Sabbath, He partners with His power invested in the Sabbath. All you got to do, He says, just trust me. Take the Sabbath. It's just like when it comes to our tithes, our offerings, our giving to the Lord. Just do it and see what God will do with your finances. But now this is on the scale of your life. Take time out. Trust God with this one day. And see how much productivity he releases in the rest of your life. On, so, we do the Sabbath thing at home. And um, we sometimes get it right. Okay, can I confess that? Can I just say, you know, we try. And um, our kids, I think, are the most militant when it comes to Sabbath keeping. <laughs> they want to keep their Sabbath. They want to make sure mommy and daddy know it's their Sabbath. If you're not taking a Sabbath, that's up to you. It's our Sabbath. <laughs> and whether they've got homework to do or they don't, they take Sabbath. <laughs> and two years ago, now, I think three years ago now, um, my son got a bunch of awards at school. Hey, well done, well done, well done. Then the next year, uh, my, sister, my daughter's a year behind. My daughter got more awards. Ah! And the teachers were asking, like, what are you guys doing with your kids? Is there some sort of, like, muti you're using? Is there some, literally, literally. And as we thought about it, we were like, well, 
they're not allowed to watch TV during the week, and they get Sabbath, and they love God, and that's about it. I mean, they did better than kids who are going to all these extra lessons and all these extra stuff and doing all this extra. They did better than all those kids. God blesses the Sabbath. I know as a university student with deadlines coming up, you know, Monday is brutal, right? Trust God with your Sabbath. And the Bible says, and make it holy. Holy unto the Lord. This word holy again comes up over and over and over again. You know what Jews do on the Sabbath? They go to synagogue on the Sabbath. You know what Christians in the early part of church history for centuries did on the Sabbath? They went to church on the Sabbath. Why is this important? Because your Sabbath rest is not complete until you've been rejuvenated in God. It's not complete. Laughing and eating and doing stuff you enjoy and not working are not complete until you get to the source. In Deuteronomy 5, almost to highlight this, as the Ten Commandments are being reiterated, uh, one part is expounded upon, and that is in verse 15. Listen to what Moses says. You shall remember, again the word remember, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath holy. Remember, you were once a slave. Someone put it this well, this, this so well. I, I don't know whose quote I stole there, but slaves don't rest. Slaves don't rest. Unfortunately, we, we live in a world where it's, it's applauded if you're a slave to your job. If you're a slave to, you know, like you're a applauded. well done. Keep working. And so you work 12-hour days so that you can be promoted to work 16-hour days. Slaves don't rest. And God is saying that, you know what, when it comes to remembering the Sabbath, is to remember that I have saved you. That I have redeemed you from the systems of Egypt. Amen. The systems of this world. That I have saved you. That I have redeemed you. That there's a different way that you live your life. Amen. 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 So, Sabbath is actually part of our resistance against the systems and patterns of this world. It's part of our resistance. It's part of us saying that I, I live for a higher purpose. I live for a higher calling. I live for God. That's what it means to follow the Sabbath. Amen. Mm. <laughs> I 
But you know what? The reality is that most of us, life is quite brutal. Relationships fracture. Deadlines are missed. Try our best. We don't always measure up. And when we come to this place of Sabbath, we're often feeling battered and bruised. And that's why it's not enough just to take a day off. It's not enough just to find rest. It's not enough just to find things you delight in doing. Choosing to Sabbath must culminate in coming to Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, and I closed with this. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who's going to put Humpty Dumpty together again? All the king's horses and all the king's men, they tried and failed. The sangomas, the psychologists, they tried, they failed. The books, the good advice, the friends... They tried and failed. Who can put Humpty Dumpty back together again? Jesus can. Jesus can. And the invitation of Sabbath is an invitation to live a life in relationship with Jesus. And to take time, extended time, once every seven days to allow him to do his full operation on you. To allow him to go to work and do whatever he wants to do. You know, it's in Sabbath that he restores us. It's in Sabbath that he renews our vision. It's in Sabbath that he gives us new strength so that we can run and not grow weary. It's in Sabbath. It's in rest. And Jesus is the doorway to experiencing the blessing of Sabbath in your life. I don't know where you are this morning on the spectrum of faith. I know we've got some fire squad this morning. Amen. And the fire squad, great. Praise God. They're loving Jesus and that's where we all want to be. But oftentimes we come into an environment like this and we're just feeling our way. Trying to understand the word, trying to get closer to God, trying to figure out how does this all make sense. The key is found in Jesus. Jesus said, to all who receive me, I give the right to be children of God. You know, Oprah was wrong. Yeah, Oprah was wrong. We're not all children of God. Yeah, you're created in the image of God. Yeah, you're loved by God. 
But we're not all children of God. The Bible says to those who receive Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God and they became born from above, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. God does a supernatural thing on the inside of us. He doesn't come to make bad people good. He comes to make dead people live. You come from not being a child of God to be having a front row seat as a child of God in his kingdom. The difference is Jesus. And if you're here this morning and trying to figure it all out, I want to invite you to start by giving your life to Jesus. Then all of this will make sense. Then all of this will make sense. But it starts with a commitment to him. Let's pray.